Welcome to the Armani Talk Show. I'm your host, Armani Talks. In the show, we're covering a variety of different topics ranging from public speaking, creative writing, emotional resilience, and much more. If you're watching from YouTube, go on and drop that like for me right on below. Hit that subscribe and check out the latest episodes, which I'm going to be dropping monthly on the Armani Talks YouTube channel. And if you're listening from podcast, I sit back and just enjoy. I know a lot of people I typically listen to podcasts when they're on for a long drive. And this is where today's episode begins. I Roughly around 2019, I released the book right here, if you're watching from YouTube. It's called Level Up Mentality, A Guide to Re-Engineer Your Mindset for Confidence. The way that I initially heard about self-publishing was from uh, this one gentleman who I was working with at the time. Uh, he had just released a self-published book on Amazon, and he was telling me, yo, Armani, uh, you should think about doing something as well for your brand. I know you have a lot of um, material that you've written out. I thought about it, but I didn't think much of it. Uh, later on, I ended up working with this one public speaking coach. Um, he ended up getting me thinking in a certain way in this particular exercise where he had me yelling at the top of my lungs. He's like, Armani, we used to do this in acting class where when you yell very loud, you feel more creative. I was pretty much doing this for the entire session. And right after, I was like, okay, I got too much energy right now. I need to do something. So I found a close Toastmasters right by me. Uh, I drove to the Toastmasters. And when I came to the Toastmasters, I didn't necessarily know if I was in the right spot. I was like, hmm, this looks like a library. And as I was second guessing if I was in the right spot or not, I see this guy that's coming out of this so-called library. He's wearing this green suit, has a green cap on, has a gold tooth, uh, slick jerry curl-like hair. I'm like, what's this guy's deal? Why does he look like that for? What does he exactly do? Because if you were to ask me, he looks like a pimp. And as I'm over here looking at him, out of nowhere, uh, he abruptly looks at me, looking at him. And that's when I had to think fast. I was like, okay, um, hey there, sir. I, I really like your suit. As soon as I gave him a compliment, he smiles, flashing that gold tooth, and he's like, I thank you, thank you, man. And he starts to create conversation with me. Eventually, he's like, hey, walk with me real quick. And I walk with him uh, towards his car. He opens the door, and he takes out a book. And this book, I forgot the name of it, but it was something that dealt with being a pimp. It's like the day of a life in a pimp, uh, something like that. Don't quote me. But then he turns the book around. Once he turned the book around, I saw a familiar face. It was the pimp's face on the back of the book. He was the author. And I was like, wait, you write books? And he starts nodding his head. That's when he starts to tell me his story. Uh, there was a period where he was a pimp. Uh, there was a period where he was selling drugs. He was doing a lot of unethical and illegal activities. But once he got sentenced to uh, prison for getting caught in the illegal activities, once he got out, uh, he decided that he was going to change his life for good. And that's when he began uh, to get uh, be more introspective. And that's when he started to write. So that's when I saw this strange parallel. I was like, I was just hearing about self-publishing and it just so happens that within, I would say, 72 hours, I meet this pimp that's over here uh, telling me about his self-publishing journey. And that's when I decide that I'm going to create my first ever book, which was Level Up Mentality. Now, once I created Level Up Mentality, it started to sell pretty well with Kindle and with paperback. And around this time, I was in this one business networking uh, group where 
one of the guys, uh, the members came up to me one day and was like, hey, uh, the other members tell me that you have a book. I was like, I do. And this guy was like, well, I want to read it. But here's the thing, Armani. I don't really read books. I listen to them. I was like, you listen to books? What does that mean? That's when he starts to tell me about this thing called audiobooks. He said that since he's on the road for so long, he doesn't have the time to sit down and uh, read in the traditional sense. So what he often does is that he uh, puts on an audiobook and just pays attention. And he was coming to me to say, hey, I would like it if you make an audiobook. Now, initially when he told me that, I was like, okay, I'll be honest. I, I was judging him. I was thinking, who listens to their books? This is asinine. And I don't know why I was thinking that at that time, because I knew about podcasts being a thing. But something about it just didn't feel right with books, at least. So I was judging him hardcore. And I was like, uh, thanks, but no thanks, homie. I mean, just get it on paperback or Kindle. I, I can't do anything for you. More time goes on by, and I start to get some emails every now and then from different people that were very similar to this initial gentleman. Uh, they were like, hey, Armani, now we noticed that you have two out of the three formats. Please make it an audiobook. We would really appreciate it. And once again, I began to ignore it. Now, the couple of weeks are turning into a couple of months. And a couple of months are turning into a couple of years. Many people at this point have told me that uh, they would really like me to turn Level Up Mentality into an audiobook. And I'm still being stubborn as an ox. One day, what happens is that I keep getting flooded with these um, ads from these two twins named the Mickelson twins. And they're over here talking about uh, how you need uh, to turn your Kindles and paperbacks into audiobooks and how it's going to make you a lot of money. As soon as I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, it's going to make me a lot of money? No way. Uh, so this ad was promoting some sort of a webinar. And I was like, all right, I normally don't like the webinars, but I'll give it a chance because, I mean, what's the harm in it? I'm over here watching this webinar. And I kid you not, it is completely shifting my perspective on publishing. Like for the longest time, I really thought that most people out there uh, just did Kindles uh, and paperback in terms of consumption of uh, reading material. But these two twins were introducing me to a brand new world. So they were talking about the business side of it and everything. Uh, but what I was seeing was an opportunity. Uh, within a couple of days, I find my narrator and I hire him. I'm like, go ahead and narrate the entire um, Level of Mentality book and we'll see how it goes. Uh, he gets it ready within three weeks. And three weeks later, I have Level of Mentality in audiobooks. And this is when some sort of miracle happens. Within the first week of Level Up Mentality being released on uh, Audible, what happens is that for the first week, it becomes the best seller in men's health. Either, either it was the best seller or it was the number one new release. And that's when the sales start flooding in. And when I saw the sales flooding in like that, I was like, whoa, people really do listen to audiobooks. And just like that, I started to um, turn my entire library from just Kindle and paperback to now having audio. That truck driver was right. Now, I learned a couple of things from this whole situation. Number one is that oftentimes people are going to tell you exactly what they need from you. And this is something that's very important because often we are trying to read someone's mind. We're like, well, what does this person want? And when they tell us, we're like, no, 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 this is too obvious or this is stupid. What do you really want? 
And this is a big mistake because, because a lot of people are straightforward. This can be applicable if you're someone that's looking for a job opportunity or a promotion. Let's say you're working in a certain company for some time and you're working on all these different Excel sheets and SharePoints and you're thinking that you're about to get a promotion at any moment. But here's the thing. You're not getting a promotion. Instead, you keep getting overlooked time and time again. What gives? Well, go to your manager or whoever's in, uh, whoever has the say of whether or not you get the promotion and ask them, hey, what do I need to do to get more money? And often, they will tell you. So that was one of the first lessons that I learned. Like a lot of times, people are not clear with their words, but many times they are. The question is, are you listening? The next lesson that I learned was something that was more phenomenal in nature. Whenever we're planning something, we have certain strategies in mind that we believe is going to uh, come in clutch. We're going to be like, once I do X, Y, and Z, uh, that's what's going to solve all my problems. But what happens in the real world is that different situations are consistently uh, being introduced to a point where our prior plan is deemed irrelevant. And this is me, uh, you know, pretty much in a fancy way of saying uh, what Michael T Mike Tyson used to say. He used to say, everyone has a plan until they get punched on the face. So it's very similar in real life. I had this plan of self-publishing, and suddenly I was introduced to a brand new plan that I wasn't thinking about before. And you want to know something? Audiobooks is the number one revenue generator of the Armani Talks business right now. It's a very strange parallel with Amazon. Like Amazon started off as a retail company. And since they're publicly traded, uh, like they're scrutinized. Whenever they're experimenting, uh, different analysts are like, what are you guys doing? You guys are a retail company. Why are you guys experimenting in outside niches so much? You want to know something? Their number one revenue generator right now is Amazon Web Services. It's an infrastructure uh, service. On digital co computing, what's a company that's over here selling shoes doing in a business like this? Very similar with what happened to me is what also happened to Amazon. They're over here playing around uh, in one field, and suddenly they're introduced to a brand new field. This is very important for creativity because in creativity, there are certain rules that stick out. And one of the rules that stick out a lot is known as the black swan. Uh, have you ever heard of Albert Einstein's quote, um, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results? I get that quote, but I don't agree with that quote. Uh, the reason I get that quote is because in a lot of systems, it's true. And I believe whenever the rules are very strict, that's when Albert Einstein's um, viewpoint holds true, whenever the worldview is Newtonian. So for example, I'm holding this remote controller in my hand right now. Every time that I let it go, it's going to fall, okay? Each time I do it, gravity is going to take over. Now, it would be very silly of me to keep uh, dropping it and for me to expect that it's going to start floating out of nowhere. Why? It's because the rules of physics are very strict. You can't play with physics. But uh, the, the soft skills that the Armani Talks brand speaks about, uh, one being creativity, the other being uh, social skills, these are not uh, fields with strict rules. Instead, these are fields with uh, very uncertain rules. I actually wrote a, a newsletter about this in depth. If you're not on the Armani Talks newsletter, go on and sign up, armanitalks.com slash newsletter. And I broke down the whole Albert Einstein's quote, and I gave an example of when it's not uh, going to work. And it was a f pretty funny example, so just entertain me on this. 
Imagine that you are going to go to uh, this speed dating um, event and you're like, oh no, like I'm not a charming, funny or charismatic guy at all. So what I need is I need a pickup line. Your roommate comes in and you're like, hey roommate, I need a pickup line real quick. Help me out. So your roommate is like, I'm glad you asked. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the girl, hey, do you work in Subway? And she's going to be like, no, why? And then the roommate says, it's because you're giving me a foot long. Get it? You're looking at your roommate like he's the biggest idiot out there. But time is running out. You're like, okay, fine. I'm going to get this pickup line and I'm going to try it out in the speed dating event. So you go in the speed dating event, and there's 10 girls. The first girl that you try this uh, pickup line on slaps you on the face. She's like, you're a pig. The second girl that you try this uh, pickup line on slaps you on the face. She's like, I can't believe you just said that to me. The third girl slaps you. Fourth girl slaps you. Fifth girl slaps you. Sixth girl, seventh girl. But by the time you get to the eighth girl, you're feeling defeated. Your face is all red. It's getting swollen. You're like, I think I should give up on this pickup line. I mean, don't forget what Albert Einstein said. Uh, Insanity is when you keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. What's the likelihood that the pickup line is going to work right now? But you're in front of the new girl. And this time, in a very defeated sort of way, you're like, um... Ma'am, do you work in Subway? And she's like, no, why? Uh, This girl is a lot more bubbly uh, than the other girls. It's like, it's um, it's because you're giving me a foot long. And now you're like really expecting that slap. But you don't get a slap. Instead, from uh, the corner of your ear, you hear a giggle. You open one eye. You're like, what's going on here? And this girl is over here giggling at your pickup line. She's like, all these other guys have been so boring. But you, you just said something so funny. Hi, my name is... And she introduces herself. And she likes you. Why did this happen? I mean, what about Albert Einstein's quote? It just goes to show whenever uncertainty is introduced, and whenever you're dealing with humans, there's a lot of uncertainty. That's when that quote is not true. It's very similar to, like, let's say I've been getting sales only from a certain medium with books. It's like, what's the likelihood that uh, audiobooks are just going to take up most of the profitability of the Armani Talks brand? It just seems very unlikely. But the creative mind is capable of spotting these unlikely moments and zoning in on it. Where many people just overlook it, the creative person is zoning into it even more. That's why a lot of the skill sets that the Armani Talks brand covers eventually intertwine with one another. I mean, I cover storytelling and I cover creativity. From the outside looking in, you're like, well, what can these two possibly have in common? A lot. Because when you're telling stories, what you're really doing is you're pretty much noticing things. And not only are you noticing things, you're noticing it in connections. Now, if you're over here noticing what everyone else notices, then the story in itself is not compelling. But when you're over here noticing certain things that are completely overlooked by other people, suddenly, your story becomes very compelling. Actually, this is one of, the, uh, one of the tricky ways on how to get a promotion. It's like, if you can notice things that other people can't notice, people love you for it. Um, I read this one book a, a while back. Uh, it was from this gentleman named Dan Kennedy. And Dan Kennedy normally talks about different businesses, and he breaks it down into processes and systems. Um, you want to know one of the 
main reasons a lot of businesses lose money? Think about it. Uh, someone may be like, oh, well, it's because it's not the pr- right product market fit. Someone else may be like, oh, it's the suppliers uh, too expensive and such. No. What's another reason, a very sly reason that a lot of businesses lose money? It's because their own employees are stealing from them. Shocking, isn't it? It's not really that shocking. I mean, if you study a lot of these high performers that have these financial advisors, you'll hear a lot of scary stories of these individuals getting screwed over by their financial advisor, and they just found out too late. So if that happens in a one-on-one interaction, what's to make you think that that's not going to happen in a scaled interaction like a business? Now imagine if you, uh, the ambitious employee, you're able to spot this. You're like, wait a minute. How are we missing two units in this situation? Two units is so minuscule that other people are just going to overlook it. They're going to be like, "Eh, it's just a random error. But you see two units are consistently missing at the same time. It's either a faulty process or it's someone stealing. And if you're capable of spotting that, and now it's like, you're opening up Pandora's box. You're letting the uh, the leaders know, hey, look, this is a situation where there's a high likelihood someone is stealing. Pandora's box is open. The leadership team looks into it. And they see the same team stealing from other departments. Imagine how much money is being saved. And not only is the money being saved, imagine what a good look it is for a guy like you. To be able to notice this, where a lot of people were just over here twiddling their thumbs, not noticing. See, I believe there's two types of experiences. I believe there's good experience, and then there's bad experience. Bad experience is something that I've seen a lot in the the corporate life. Um, I've noticed a lot of people are, they just don't want to be there. And, you know, I, I, I get their point of view. because. For everyone, work is not the end-all, be-all. Like, they don't wake up in the morning, they're like, hey, I'm getting ready to work. Instead, for them, it's um, work is a means to an end. And the end is to enjoy more time with their loved ones, uh, build relationships, uh, work on their body, and such. So the bad kind of experience is typically what a lot of corporations reward. Uh, They reward these folks that have been in a company for, let's say, 20 years. But within 20 years, what have they really done? Not much. But the good experience is the experience that makes you feel younger. Uh, Let's say you're someone that, uh, like throughout your entire life, uh, you felt as though that you were great in front of the camera. It's like you just have this natural charm to you, uh, but you, you were just in the wrong position. Like people are putting you in positions where you're in a cubicle, just paper pushing. That's not fair for you. Well, some time goes on by, and one day uh, someone needs a, a document um, articulated out loud. Someone needs this document to be turned into a video, and you are chosen. Uh, the other people uh, that are recording this video immediately notice your charm. They see the star power to you, and they're like, hey, bud, we want you to start taking this uh, very seriously. We want you to be in front of the camera more. Now you're in complete alignment with what you want to do. And since you're in alignment, what's going to happen is that you're going to feel better after each video. You're not going to be one of these guys that's like, just another day. It's because you're having fun. And this is why I like public speaking a lot, especially if you're someone that considers yourself very uh, shy, uh, overly introverted, or such. With public speaking, you never miss. And what I mean by that is you never uh, are fully uh, getting experience that's not going to help you out. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be you choking a speech. That's good experience because now you got the worst part out of the way. And the thing that 
a lot of individuals have a tremendous fear over is choking the speech. That's what creates a lot of their speech anxiety. And once you've gone through it, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. So that's good experience. Another good experience is when your speech goes well. Another good experience is when you turn a very complex topic into a simple topic that other people could resonate with. I mean, all experience is good experience in the public speaking space. Beside one thing, you know, I'm going to say it. Um, Drinking before your talk. Uh, This is something that's very common, uh, especially if you're giving a talk at a wedding. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, So the Armani Talks uh, brand uh, does have a consulting side to it as well, where every now and then I do give out free 15-minute consulting sessions. So if you ever had any questions for me, go on ArmaniTalks.com, go to services and uh, fill out an application. I can get back to you. Uh, And a lot of these applications that I got were from people that had a wedding coming up. Their brother was getting married and they needed to give a best man speech. So we're over here talking it out. Uh, I'm trying to give this person some clarity. And typically in the call, somewhere uh, along the lines, they're like, so Armani, uh, let me know. Can I drink? And I'm like, how much? It's like, like just one shot beforehand. I'm like, yeah, one shot should be fine. Um, I mean, you know your body better than I do, but one shot for the most part is fine in the context of a wedding. What about two shots? And now I already know what's going on. The first shot that was pretty much this person just trying to um, uh, find a way in order for them to uh, overcome the speech anxiety. That's what they really want. And I'm like, Ugh, bro, if you're trying to get even one shot, two shots, three shots, they add up. Have you ever seen someone that was um, a drunk at a wedding? I have. See, the thing with Bengali weddings that's different from a lot of American weddings uh, is that you don't just have one best man. You have a couple of best men, uh, maybe three. And normally, whenever I'm asked to be a best man, I like to be the first guy that gives the speech. Because once you you give the speech, now you set the tone and you can just sit back and relax. So I give the speech. Then the second person gives the speech. And by the time the third person gives the speech, he is straight up wasted. And this guy is normally very shy. Uh, So we're thinking that he's just going to be like, uh, you know, getting up there, reading, uh, reading off his phone word for word. That's not the case. Suddenly, he's over here cracking some lewd jokes. He's over here talking a lot. He's making um, some stuff that doesn't even make any sense. Like after he's done saying something, we're just like, what? And eventually, we're just like, bro, get off stage. You know, like in weddings, some people just don't want to get off stage. They just want to keep talking and talking. And when you're drunk, the chances of you just talking and talking skyrocket. So I tell these guys in the consulting calls, I'm like, look, if you're just taking one shot just to, you know, just do it with the buddies, that's one thing. But if you're taking one shot with the intention of it turning into two to three to four, that's a problem. And that is not going to be good experience. Now, you can make the argument like, well, technically, it is going to be good experience because in the future, uh, I know what not to do. That's fair. But I believe with someone's wedding, it's not just about you. It's uh, also about taking in the other person's viewpoint into consideration as well. So I am not for that at all. Instead, I'll give you some advice on what you can do leading up to your speech. Number one, uh, don't don't try to fight the feelings. Uh, leading up to your talk, especially for a wedding, is that there may be a lot of familiar faces uh, this may be the first time ever that your mom and dad are going to see you give a speech. The first time that like your cousins, your old school friends are going to see you talk, which already is uh, somewhat nerve wracking. Where if you're over here giving a-, a talk in front of complete strangers, you could always be like, eh, I'm never going to see them again. 
But in front of like family, friends, uncles, and such, uh, the the pressure is on, and your body is perfectly aware of this. Uh, leading up to your speech, a few things that are going to happen is that your eyes are every now and then going to get watery. Uh, don't worry, you're not crying. It's just your body reacting to the stress. Uh, your mouth is going to get dry. Um, your body is going to get really, really hot out of the blue moon. And sometimes you're going to be enjoying a certain moment and you're just having a good time, right? And suddenly the thought of like the best math speech comes into your mind and suddenly you're just out of it. It, it kills your groove. And other people can notice like, what's wrong with, what's his problem right now? So these are to be expected. And what a lot of individuals try to do is that they try to kill those feelings. They're like, hey, stop feeling that. You shouldn't be feeling something like that. And they try to drown out those feelings with a lot of affirmations and such. Coming from experience on my end, my friend, don't do that. Uh, Just sit with the feelings. uh, Just uh, expect it and learn to coexist with it. That's one of the best advice I believe you will get because the more that you uh, can coexist with feelings, the more that it will eventually serve you. Where you won't believe it, but a lot of people are going to turn to the bong, the TV, or the bottle in moments like this. And you can't really run away from feelings. The more that you try to run away from feelings, the more those feelings go to the gym and come back 10 times stronger. So just um, learn to coexist with it. Just sit with it. There was like this one speech I had coming up one time and I was just like, it was doing a number on my body. I was just like, man, like from all the people in the world, why did you have to ask me to be one of your best men? And I was just over here um, just panicking. Uh, But what I would do was every now and then, like whenever I felt those feelings, I would just get away for a second and I would sit by myself in a room and I would physically feel the sensations. Like physically feeling those sensations turns your perception of those feelings from terror into energy. And once you have energy on your side, you can dominate. In addition to sitting with the feelings, another thing that you want to go ahead and do is um, you want to go ahead and... um, Make your practice sessions very difficult and real. So whatever clothes you plan to wear on your actual speech day, uh, wear that, okay, as you're practicing your talk. Uh, But here's a little caveat. Make it very difficult for yourself. Uh, So one thing that uh, is difficult for a lot of public speakers is that they have to uh, deal with that rapid heartbeat. So you want to know something? Go ahead and do a couple of push-ups before you begin practicing. Okay, Uh, do some pull-ups. So you can decide if you want to wear your fancy suit uh, before or after you do your push-ups, pull-ups. doesn't matter. Get your heartbeat racing fast. The faster that it goes, now begin giving your talk. Once you're over here giving the talk, you're going to find it difficult. You're like, Armani, how am I going to give the talk? My heart is beating so fast. Breathe through it. See, this is going to be a speech anxiety class 101. Learn to breathe through it. And when your heartbeat is racing through the roof and you're still giving your talk, you are learning to coexist with your feelings. You're learning to breathe through the stress and you're capable of having poise. Now, here's another sleeper trick you could try out. Um, when you're creating your talk, uh, smile as you're creating it. Like associate positive feelings with it. So whenever you're over here thinking of the speech, it creates a positive impression in you. It's like with food. What's your favorite food? Let's say it's um, uh, shepherd's pie. And anytime you smell shepherd's pie, uh, that memory automatically releases certain chemicals in your body that makes you feel good. Release those chemicals with your speech by smiling as you're creating the speech. See, these are better strategies than uh, drinking right before your talk. One shot is fine, but be very wary if you're planning on turning the one shot 
into a string of shots. This is where a lot of mistakes happen. So public speaking um, is fun uh, once you learn some of the basics. Like if you can speak in front of five people, then you can speak in front of 500 people. The same fundamentals hold true. Like if you're really nervous before a talk, it doesn't matter if it's five or 500. You really just need to look at three people. Uh, uh, One person from the left side of the audience, one from the middle, one from the right. That's it. And it it helps if uh, these members are the most engaged, where it doesn't matter which audience you're in. Every now and then, you're going to find like the Grinch-looking people, like, you know, a very serious face. And then you're going to find certain members within the presentation that are so freaking enthusiastic. They're over here looking at you like, yeah, yeah, keep talking, keep talking. And you're like, what are you so enthusiastic about? Are you checking me out or something? Maybe they are. But just look at them, you know? Just look at them because when you look at them, the people around them think you're looking at them. So you're killing multiple birds with one stone. And I believe this actually transitions us well to another topic. When you're over here uh, being an audience member, there's a lot of people who are very rude uh, in terms of being an audience member. They're just on their phone the entire time. They're over here uh, cracking jokes with their friend. And it makes the public speaker very uncomfortable. Now, if this is a seasoned public speaker, it's not going to bother them. But let's say someone is working up a lot of courage to get on stage and they just see like a few people in the audience not paying attention and stuff and they're just over here cracking jokes. It's going to make this guy even more nervous. So I believe if you want to be a great speaker, you should actually be a great listener. If you want to do great on stage, you should do great off stage. And the way that you are great off stage is by being a good audience member. Be that guy that's over here being engaged when someone else is speaking. See, a lot of Toastmasters uh, have a position called the Quizmaster. And the Quizmaster is responsible for listening to the talks throughout the speech and uh, creating um, a quiz regarding like whatever was discussed. Like, um, speaker two ended up going to Hawaii, and what was the first food that he ate? And then someone from the uh, the Toastmasters meeting will raise their hand and answer. There was this one lady that uh, would kill it in these quizzes. I mean, she would put the rest of us to shame. Um, her name was Claudia, and she was actually the president for a while. Uh, I was the vice president. She was the president. And I used to be like, I really dislike talking to Claudia on the phone because the president and the vice president have to like talk a lot just to make sure we're on the same page. And I'm pretty like to the point in phone calls. Claudia, she had to get every single word out there. Every single word. Like with all the respect, she was very long-winded. And calls that I expected to be let's say like 10 minutes would turn into an hour phone call with Claudia. I'm like, man, she's so annoying. But I will respect her for this. She was always answering the questions whenever the Quizmaster asked. Because the thing is like every now and then, like throughout a Toastmasters meeting, certain speeches stick out, certain ones don't. And from the ones that stick out, if there's questions based on that particular speech, most of the audience members will know. But for the boring speaker, it's like, ah, sorry, bud, we weren't really really paying attention. Claudia was paying attention, though. Claudia showed me like how weak my listening skills were. It's because like her senses were present. Like her eyes were looking at the speaker the entire time. Her ears were present. But she was just mentally alert as well. And it just made me get so much respect for like the listening side of things. Like listening is difficult. I, I don't think people in, understand that. I don't think I actually understood it. I, I got really offended 
whenever I'm over here paying attention to someone and they're not listening back, I'm like, man, I'm not going to listen to them either then. But nowadays, I actually realize how difficult it is to listen. Whether you're hosting a podcast show, whether you're having a conversation, whether you're at a Toastmasters meeting, is because we just have so much data coming at us from different angles. And it's like, I'm trying. I really am. But I don't know if I can pay attention to everything. And this is why I believe, uh, this is a little saying I have, a content is king in the online world. A concentration is king in the offline world. One thing you'll notice with the Armani Talks um, YouTube channel, for example, is that I don't really edit too much of my content. Even with a, a talk like this, I'm not over here um, editing much. And I don't know if you can actually hear it, but they're over here cutting the lawn uh, right now. And in some ways, it is a little distracting because I'm over here trying to record a show. But And they always do this. Like whenever I'm about to record the show, get my vibe on, uh, these guys want to uh, cut the lawn. And it's easy to edit it out, which in the future, I, I could see a case being made for it to be edited out. But right now, what I'm building this business on our concentration skills, impromptu, and speaking from the heart. And I believe by keeping that as the main foundation, I could build a lot of things around that. Um, I'm thinking if I should stop the episode. Nah, let's let's just keep it going. Screw it. We're going live. Um, and I do, since we were talking about Toastmasters, I, I do want to take it back to Toastmasters one more time because I believe Toastmasters uh, you know can give you a lot of great learning opportunities that it gave me one of the learning opportunities was um, when I was in three different Toastmasters club at a certain point uh, one was um, like in a classroom setting like area another was at work and another one was literally at uh, IHOP and something about uh, a Toastmasters meeting being at IHOP was very difficult because you're over here, like, you know, struggling with public speaking. And, you know, there's people trying to eat at the IHOP. And every now and then, if you're over here giving a speech, they're going to stop eating and they're going to look at you and you're just like, I don't know if I like this. Well, I would say that that IHOP Toastmasters was one of the best Toastmasters for my growth because that's where unpredictability is just happening left and freaking right i mean one time i was over here giving a talk called the big fish and as i'm over here giving the talk there's a waitress that ends up dropping uh one of the plates it shatters and whenever plates shatter like you know like the initial shock from the group like they're over here talking and chattering away so i'm over here trying to give um my talk and like the different members are over here chattering away. They're looking around. Uh, the different people in IHOP are just uh, blurting stuff randomly. And and once the plates fell, uh, there were like two babies that began crying out of the blue moon. So here I am, uh, like trying to give this talk. And it's just like, it's like so loud and it's so abrupt. It's not like silent like I wanted it to be. Like how I was initially practicing it, right? Leading up to this moment. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be like, hey guys, pause. No. It's like when you're on the public speaking stage, there is no pause. It's like you go from beginning to end. And it's like, eventually the audience does settle down. Eventually, the baby uh, does stop crying. But you, it's like, this goes back to what I was saying before. It's like with public speaking, so much experience is good experience. And it's like, when stuff like that is happening, where like this, this hectic atmosphere is being created right in front of you, now you're recording a podcast episode and like the freaking lawnmower guy wants to cut the, the lawn right now. It's like, fam. I've seen worse. Bring it on. I'm, I'm going to keep going. It's not going to throw me off. See, this is why concentration skills is so important. And concentration skills, um, 
is a true sign of intellect. Like different people coming up saying, oh, well, look at my IQ score. Uh, look at look at what uh, look at my report card and stuff. It's like, can you concentrate though? See, I'll actually give you a very crazy thought experiment. This is very spooky too. You ready for it? So imagine two kids. Um, one kid is trained in like you know whatever we learn in school, like you know you learn geometry, history, uh, all of this, right? For four years, versus the other kid who is given this remote, and he is told to spend. 15 minutes a day just bringing his focus back to this remote anytime it wanders away. Okay? This is the sole target. 15 minutes a day. And within the four years, he can keep adding more time. He doesn't need to, though. He could stay at 15. But this kid is an ambitious kid. He eventually begins to focus on this remote for two hours a day by year three. After the four years are up, who do you think is going to be smarter the kid focusing on the remote or the guy that's over here getting this formal education? There is no right answer, actually. So you could say whatever you feel that you think is the logical case, but I believe it's going to be the remote guy because if you can concentrate, what happens is that you just naturally build creativity. You naturally build emotional resilience. And the more emotional resilience that you have, the stronger that your intellect is. I believe intellect comes from strength and concentration, while the opposite is not always true. Just because you have a sharp intellect does not mean that you can concentrate. And too many times uh, I've seen people that have a sharp intellect that end up self-sabotaging themselves. They're applying that intellect in the wrong context a lot of times. They're applying it on people. They're applying it uh, on themselves a lot. They're just chopping themselves bit by bit into pieces. And they're having this reductionist view of life. And I don't think that's smart. I believe you should... Education without concentration is not education. You're just over here forcing people to memorize things. But if you can concentrate, now memorization just happens. And you just become this, this dog. Like you become a very, very tough guy to kill. Uh, so I believe concentration skills are so freaking important. And this is where like being too reliant on technology uh, can hinder you. I'm a big fan of technology. I, I believe like uh, technology is not um, what a lot of people view it as. Uh, what do you view technology as? Like you go to the re regular person, you're like, what is technology? They're just going to say machines and like robots and stuff. I view it as structured mind. It's like behind this was a mind. Behind this was a mind. Um, behind a rock that has been like, you know, rubbed against another rock to make it sharp uh, so you could stab someone with it. That is technology. Behind it was a mind. So it's like I respect technology a lot, but I don't believe technology should ever trim away at your God-given gifts. And one of the God-given gifts is your ability to concentrate. And concentrating is the ability to focus on one idea uh, at the exclusion of other ideas. Uh, the, the, these different people are trying to get your attention. The lawn mowing guy, the baby, the, the broken plates. But it's like, no, I am going to give this talk and I'm going to give it. And that, that's something that um, I believe should be exercised, not uh, chopped away. See, this is where editing tools can sometimes cause you harm. Because, you know, I was watching this Skillshare class a while back. And uh, it was of a video of a guy that was uh, recording what it's like uh, to record YouTube videos. <laughs> so it's like a, a video about how to record videos. And as I'm over here watching the class, it was highly insightful, by the way, like very insightful, very smart guy. I forgot the gentleman's name. But one thing that kind of I felt a little bit was bizarre, which isn't bizarre, by the way. It's completely the norm. It's just bizarre based on how I do things. And my way is not the right way. It's just my way of doing things.
is that he kept like trying to record the video and he kept messing up. And anytime he would mess up, he'd like clap really loud to let the audio know like, hey, this is where you messed up. Be sure to chop this part out. And something that I believed could have been done in one take, it took him like 30 or 40 takes. He's like, all right, guys, I'm not going to bore you with it, but it took me that many takes. I was like, dang, man. It's like, you're reliant on the technology. It's like, can you concentrate? Hypothetically speaking, let's say someone put a gun to your head and was like, hey, champ, I want you to do this in one take. Go on. Let's see if you could do it. Can you do it? And it's like, the person that can concentrate, that person that was focusing on this for a year, I'm holding the remote control, by the way, for any of those people listening, that person is like, all right, uh, hit record. While the other guys are like, oh, clapping away, like, oh, just give me another try. It's like the real world, you don't always get another try. That's why, you know, public speaking, uh, content creation, all of this stuff eventually intertwine. Are there differences? Absolutely. Where, you know, podcasting is very different from public speaking. With public speaking, you're using your palms, your voice, your facial gestures, everything. And you're actually capable of telling if something that you're saying is funny or not. You never know how awkward it is to see if you're saying something that's funny or not until you start, let's say, starting a YouTube channel or a podcast. Now, like you're over here talking to a piece of technology. This is why whenever someone is like, I don't know, man, I, tr- I tried to record videos, but something about it just felt weird. It's like, of course it's supposed to feel weird. It's like you're trying to breathe life into this dead camera. It's crazy to see how much the smartphone has progressed. I recall, what was it, like 2003? Like the cool phone to have was the Nokia. Like you could play the snake game in it. When I first got the Nokia, I was over here playing snake games left and right. But I recall it like it was yesterday. Like many people had the Nokia phone. And suddenly, out of the woodwork, there was this one kid that came in with a flip phone. And once he had that flip phone, we started to like look at this guy like he was the cool kid. Like a lot of people did that. It's like, you know, like you ever heard of the phrase like keeping up with the Jonases or something like that? And it's like uh, you're basically in a neighborhood and people are just trying to one up each other. And let's say one guy uh, goes from a Honda uh, to a Ferrari. Now, subconsciously, he's the cool guy. He's like the ideal for the other people that are in this uh, competition rat race. Well, for us little kids, uh, instead of cars, it was phones. So when we saw this guy with the flip phone, for the most part, he was weird. Like he would actually sit by himself a lot. He didn't really resonate with anyone like that. But when we saw him with that phone, we're like, you're cool, right? And he started to influence us. And we started to tell our parents like, hey, a Jacob has a flip phone. How come we still have this crappy Nokia? And, you know, as a couple of months passed on by, more and more flip phones started to pop up. And then, guess what happened? The Sony Ericsson came. The Sony Ericsson was this very unique looking phone because it was the hybrid of a Nokia, like in terms of like the the shape but it had a little bit of the flip phone features where there was that camera feature. It was like the camera, if you ever look at it, is like this green with the silver thing and it just catches your eye. And the guy that had it, I believe his name was Rahul. And he now became the cool kid. So just looking back at it, it's like, if you bring the Sony Ericsson nowadays, people will laugh at you. They're going to be like, well, can you edit uh, content on this? Can you record um, videos? Uh, can you record your own podcast? No? And then throw that in the trash. Get a, get a smartphone. And it's like, before in 2004, when the camera was first becoming a thing, we were over here recording the world. But once um, like more and more processing uh, speeds increased, because before, it's like the longest you could record a video was like 10 seconds. 
So uh, the kids in our class, whenever there was a fight, we're like, we're like recording it and we're like, wait, okay, safe, safe. Okay, all right, keep fighting, guys, and we record another video. But the longer that the the, the video uh, time limit got, the more that we turned the phone away from the external world to ourselves. And this is why nowadays, soft skills is slowly getting its due respect. It didn't get respect for a long time. It's like, I was working with this one gentleman who works in Xbox, and he's like very high up there. And he's like a, he's like a pioneer within the field. But he doesn't get much respect. It's like, um, it's like when you're a pioneer, you're exploring uncharted territories, and he's just like, you know, here we're over here not treating our uh, a lot of the employees right. It feels like certain employees get uh, a lot of respect, while the other ones who are working hard, they don't just have the bad experience, but they're working hard. Uh, they're just not getting their due respect. What should we do? And that's when. You know, this guy is over here, like trying to bring soft skills to the field. Like he he wants to incorporate like uh, the public speaking, active listening, uh, teamworking, and such. And people were laughing at him before. Nowadays, it's like 2023. People are just like, "Hey, uh, what were you talking about with this whole soft skills thing?" And the managers are like, "Okay, f- create a plan. Let's see how we can incorporate it." That's gonna begin to happen. Many, many different organizations are going to be like, wait a minute, most of hard skills nowadays is coming down to like what, clicking buttons, you're not really coding like you once did. Um, We got to ask different questions to these kids. Do they have a good attitude? Can they um, listen? Uh, Are they funny? Uh, Are they ambitious? Like, are they willing to learn? These are soft skills traits. And it's like, it doesn't matter who you are, soft skills fields are going to uh, come come for you. But you don't want to be one of these guys that knows soft skills but knows no uh, hard skills. It's like hard skills are very important. Uh, so both are important. I actually talked about this before. Uh, soft skills is about becoming the instrument. Hard skills is about learning to use instruments. And you can do both. Your powerhouse. Um. I do want to leave it off in one final note because I have uh, roughly three to four more minutes. It's like this brand covers a few core soft skills ranging from public speaking, storytelling, emotional resilience, social skills, creativity, a level of mentality and such. And it could be very daunting at first. It's like, I got to learn all of that. I don't know if I can learn all of that. So instead of trying to learn everything at once, I believe you should just go all in on one. And you will naturally find yourself getting connected to other fields. Like for me, I started off in Toastmasters with public speaking. And the more that I learned about public speaking, eventually I was just like, wait a minute. If I could speak in front of 50 people, I could speak in front of five people with ease. So now it's like uh, before I was like very quiet in these group interactions uh, because I was self-conscious. Now I'm capable of expressing my message with ease. So I'm like, public speaking just took care of social skills. The more that I'm working with social skills, public speaking, and such, I'm like, it'll be cool to create some content. So suddenly, creativity is coming into the mix. When creativity is coming into the mix, and I'm creating content, let's say I'm trying to record a video, and someone is trying to mow their lawn at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, either I stop, or I keep it going. Now I'm practicing a concentration, aka the essence of level up mentality. So if you're someone that's like, well, how do I begin? I don't even know if I can get started with soft skills. Just get started with one and you will organically expand. And if you have no clue what to do, I recommend starting off with public speaking. I mean, you could just go to um, uh, Toastmasters and you know get a couple of speeches going or you just find one item and bring your focus back to it um, multiple times in a certain increment. The more that you can do that, the more that you're exercising your concentration skills. Now you have a sharpened intellect. And with this sharp intellect, you can build a strategy that is right for your life. But with soft skills, you don't have to do many at many times. 
You could start with one, and then the one will organically turn into many. Get a head start because soft skills, uh, interpersonal skills, these are going to become very, very important in the upcoming age. So we have hit the one hour mark. If you enjoyed this talk, drop this like for me right on below. Hit that subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. If you are listening from podcast, uh, hopefully uh, it filled up your trip. And uh, be sure to um, you know, stay subscribed with the latest Armani Talks ideas at armanitalks.com slash newsletter. Uh, thank you very much for joining and I'll catch you next time.